Before we start this podcast, the team at the Racing Line Pod would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. So that we can continue to grow as a podcast, we would love it if you could give us a rating and review on your podcast platform. This helps us to grow as a pod moving forward. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to episode 55 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm joined by Joey tonight and we have a new guest on the pod, another Bahaja. We have young Thomas. How are you, mate? Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. Joe, how are you, bud? Very good, mate. Very well. What a weekend. What a weekend of rate. What a Sunday. What what a perfect Sunday. It actually worked out well because I was worried that I was going to miss the end of the Bathurst race with the Formula One starting at four. But um, the well, I was worried. Was, I was worried I was going to miss the F one race because it was coinciding <laughs> yeah. with the end of Bathurst. So <laughs> well, I had my split screen going, but um, I had the commentary on the Formula One. But the the weather gods did us a favour, I think. But um, this week we'll be discussing the Formula One race in Japan and the Bathurst one thousand. Um, if you haven't watched the race yet, Max won by a ridiculous amount in such a short space of time. Um, if you haven't checked it out, watch the. You could probably watch the whole race, actually, because the whole race only goes for like 40 minutes um, instead of the mini on KO. But, um, Joe, what are your thoughts, mate? Um, I thought as a race, it was actually very interesting. Once it started, I thought, you know, the rain itself makes it pretty cool in terms of tyre strategy, going on to the inters, um, all that kind of good stuff. My disillusion disillusionment i should say probably stems from the fact of i don't know why we have rain tires if we can't use them in the rain um and i understand the safety precautions and visibility and stuff so i'm and i'm under i'm not an f1 racer so i don't know or i can't say i know but i do think we used to race in this kind of rain and and what's changed if the cars have gotten safer Yep. Oh, no, that's 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 my question. Uh, I just think we've become way too safety conscious. Um, there was a few incidents, you know, a few years ago, and whenever there's a bit of water on the track, they they're scared to they're scared to get out there. Thomas, what did you think about that whole situation? Well, I I agree with Joe in the fact that we have the wet tire, but it's never used. Um, there's you got to look back at some of the crazier wet races. Like there was Fuji in two thousand and seven. Well, that was absolutely bucking down. They were still racing in that. You look at Spa '98. It was first lap chaos, but they were still racing in that. You had obviously had the moment where Schumacher mm. hit Coulthard, but like they're the best of the best. Like I think, other than the fact there was standing water on the track, I think mean, they should, like, like what Joe said, not an F1 driver, but if they have the tie, they should be out there at least trying it. Like I don't think it was anyone as bad as Spa '21 last year yeah uh, well the thing is yeah. if you don't if you don't want to start the race just one of those things i think if you don't want to start the race as in a proper start start up behind safety car circulate for a couple of laps to move some water mm. and then let's sort of let's get going i'm, I'm fine with that it's this is mm. and it's not it's it's not even that it's it's if it is too wet to not race it's that 
every time we see a little bit of rain now, it's like, oh, we've got to push the start back, you know. Then we have a time certain race like yesterday because we, we get into this time thing. Like, do we not read the radar and just move the race earlier if we can on certain weekends? That would have worked last time. Um, like, you know, just a bit of, you know, just be a bit pragmatic. Like if we can push the race back, why, why can't we bring the race early, you know, to accommodate weather? Like, I don't understand that. They're meant to be the 20 best drivers in the world and they can't race when it's wet. Like, come on, you're kidding me. But in saying that, Max wins the championship, takes it out second year in a row. I have a few questions about, I guess, where Max currently stands on all-time list. I have a few other questions about Max, but what did you think of the whole... The fact that he pulled, I think it was like 16 or 17 seconds on Leclerc and Perez. 24, I think. 24. We're in the we're in the 20s. I know we're in the 20s. 20 plus seconds on his yeah. closest title challenges in a 40-minute race. Yeah, I think it's 24.8. Yeah, like that is insane. I don't think, um, I don't think uh, what, the best drivers performing at a superior level in the range really surprises anyone anymore. Um, like we've seen Schumacher have these races. We've seen Hamilton have these races. Um, I mean, it really is, it just shows like when you're feeling it and you've got a car underneath you that's pretty much built for you, it doesn't really matter what the um, what the weather throws at you. You're always going to be, you know, performing at such a high level. And he's, he's not scared of the rain, so he's still performing at that level. Um, the thing was that that um, both Charles and Checo looked really comfortable from the cars behind them. Mm. So you know that they were sort of cruising from everyone else. So that's just total dominance and control of the car and a really good car. Um, I think the Ferrari would have been closer, but they were having massive issues with Deg. Yeah. Their, their tyres went off quite early. But still, to pull that much time, I thought was... In half a race. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, well, you know. Yeah, you only have to look back to Brazil 2016 when Max's first year at Red Bull when he, I think he finished third, but he was carving through everyone. He had that famous overtake on Rosberg. So it's not really a surprise seeing Max excel um, so much in the rain as he did yesterday because he's just, the guy's a freak. Yeah, and I guess that leads, he's now a two-time world champion. He's got 32 wins. He's got the, pretty much exactly the same statistics as Fernando when it comes to wins and championships. Do we rate Did you him see, as Fernando? Do you do we rate him as one of the one of the goats at this point? Or I saw a stat this weekend that actually surprised me. If he wins next weekend, he equals the most amount of wins in a season from um, only tying Schumacher and um, Vettel, and he's got. Another four races after that to to map. Is it four races or more? Four races left. Yeah. So there's four races four, left. Four. Yeah. So he's got even. Um, he can even um, go definitely clear into that record by himself of the amount of races we have this year. But I was just surprised that Hamilton isn't in that list as well after all these years of Mercedes dominance, which I was somewhat surprised about. Um, I think that sort of shows how one-sided got, this I think year it's has been. You know, this year has been. Uh, but we do uh, have uh, we have more races. Like even this year is more than what we've had in the last 
you know, yeah, but I would I would have thought that Hamilton had re- reached that level, even with the amount of races we had before, because how this is Schumacher and Vettel doing it in what eighteen race seasons, and you know we're, we're up into the twenty ones mm. with Hamilton still when he was winning championships. Yeah, but you know, I think I th- I think this is just the beginning of his reign, to be honest. Yeah, oh, uh, look, <laughs> I think I think the guy, you know, in twenty years' time, we could be talking about him like we talk about. Schumacher, we talk about Senna. How old is how old is he? Twenty-four. So he's twenty-four now, right? 25, something like that. Yeah. So he's twenty-five. He's a two-time world champion. Yep. Like, well, Fernando was at the same age as well. That's yeah. But Fernando left the the team that was feeding him, you know, the wins, and went to Ferrari. Fernando wrote the book, and Danny Rick read it. Um, yeah, and so, same as um, Charles Leclerc as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, the biggest stat for me that shows how good Max has been this year is Charles's. He's won more races from Leclerc pole positions than Leclerc's won yeah. this year. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that's we've got issues with Ferrari and all that kind of thing, but for me, that's that's insane. That's the next level kind of. Yeah, statistics. And like, you look what did you think of um, of unfortunate Charles's last corner incident? Well, it decided the championship because if he came second, it wouldn't have been decided. Would have delayed it one more week. But I thought it was sort of like a little metaphor of how their season has been. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sort of like they've been there and thereabouts, but when push comes to shove, there's always something that gets in the way. Yeah, and, and it happens. It was wet. He had no grip left. Like you can't really blame the guy. But I'm, I I applaud Checo for for doing a really good last lap and really putting the pressure on because mm. um, he really closed down that the gap probably by half in half a lap. Mm. Um, and he was definitely a lot closer coming down out of spoon uh, than he had been in any of the other previous laps. Um, so good on Checo, I suppose, for putting on the pressure. But yeah, I, I felt sorry for Leclerc once he got that penalty when he was um, in the, I think getting interviewed, um, and then when Max found out he was world champion. But that's racing. Honestly, he's there being interviewed about winning the race, and then all of a sudden someone's going, "You're the world champion," and he's like, "What? No, I'm not." No, there was there was um, they were talking to Checo, then they go, "Sorry, Checo, we got to get Max again," and then they pull him back <laughs> and they go, "You're the world champion," and he goes, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this sport! Oh, I tell you, um, but well, I, Max, yes. he, can't, he hasn't won a. Hasn't he hasn't won, won a championship. championship under normal circumstances yet. The poor guy. Last year was the whole drama with the Michael Massey incident, and this year he doesn't even know he's won it until the reporter tells him. Yeah, and and I think that. Oh, last year he was he was pretty phenomenal as well. Like that whole season was mm. was epic, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This one felt really anticlimactic to me. Um, well, for the start that we thought we were going to have. Yeah, that's right. We were super jacked at the start with the whole Ferrari thing. Yeah, that's it. And I guess my question to both of you for next year is, do Ferrari and Mercedes challenge him? Because they're the only two that can potentially will. I would put money that Mercedes will be challenging him. I think they're the, I, I, I think they've learned a lot this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they changed their total concept of the car. Um, I mean, the downside is that if you change your total concept, you're probably going to blow a lot of your salary cap for next year. So we'll see how that goes. 
Um, I guess Ferrari have a good base to build from. They just have to eradicate most mainly their mistakes because their car is good enough. But it's 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 when they're not winning, they're not scoring good points. Like we've seen them crash out of um, race leads. We've seen them crash out of um, podium positions. We've seen them only have one car or no car finish uh, finishing races. It's on the sort of the race weekends where you can't get your best. How well you perform is where your championships are won and lost. And Ferrari's highs are really high, but their lows are really really low at the moment. And they have to really flatten that flatten that graph. Yeah, because they've got the, they've got the drivers. I, I believe in their drivers, and I believe in that car as a basis mm. to to move on from. I think it's going to be a lot of Bonotto leading that team, or seeing if like you know I, I want to see if he's going to be there next year because I think next year's his last chance. Um, realistically, so can he lead that team? Sort of wipe that this year's or this year from their memory. Take the positives because they've got good drivers, good car. Maybe get some fresh strategy input in um, because they've got all the pieces. They just have to put it together. But putting it together has always been their problem. It's not just a one-year thing. Mm. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Let's talk about this tractor. Yeah, so I was going to say, Thomas, you wanted to. Mm. You brought it up with us before the pod. What were your thoughts on the whole tractor incident? So if you haven't seen it, which I don't know how you haven't, um, after lap one or two, I think they went behind the safety car. Oh, no. They started the race. Carlos spun out, hit the wall, red flagged the race, and the tractor came out um, early. So Pierre Gasly drove past the tractor on track. And if you're not aware of the history, um, I think it was 2014 or 2015, around then, Jules Bianchi, who was at the time on the grid hit a tractor that was removing a um a crashed car essentially and and passed away so there's been massive rule changes and everything in the interim you know we've got the halo all that kind of thing um to prevent this kind of thing from happening so pierre's absolutely lost his shit but thomas what were your thoughts on it mate i think tom dogs left us for a minute he looks like he's frozen yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know why there's no lights on that tractor. To be honest, I mean the video was actually was 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 freaky. Yeah. Um, you don't see nothing, and then you sort of just see a blur. Yeah. Um. So I can definitely understand the drivers losing their mind over it. You know that that's. I don't understand how that happens. Um, realistically, I don't understand how that happens. Um, or at least there isn't a warning given. Um, like I was, I thought that was really poor form by by Formula One. I don't want to be too critical, but um, that yeah, I, that can't that can't happen. Those things are too high, and those cars are coming in way too low and too fast, even on in, in the rain. Um, yeah, they've got halos and everything, but man, that's a solid tractor. I guess. Um, I guess my issue is. How do they then come out and smash Gasly with a twenty-second penalty? He was he was flying, he was speeding. Sure, but I get that twenty seconds is huge, and there was still a tractor on track. Like I think they're yeah, but, but they're being away a- from the actual issue here. Oh, definitely, they definitely are. But 
but you having a tractor on track, which is a problem, and then you also speeding, they can exist at the same time. Um, yeah, I guess I mean, for me it felt like they were just trying to sweep their cock up under the rug. They probably were. And this blame is, it yeah. also on Pierre. I definitely wouldn't deny that for a second. Mm. That definitely could happen. Um, but also I, I do think realistically you don't want um, cars speeding on, you know, in those kind of conditions. Um, stick to your Delta. But yeah, like that was that's that it, it doesn't look good when, when, uh, you know, the driver who's sort of brought this whole tractor thing into the limelight then gets whacked of a penalty. Yeah, I know. But like the, the unfortunate thing as well was that, that when when Jules hit the tractor, he also was was speeding to get back up to the get up to the um thing was the safety car pack. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. Yep. Um, I think they both should learn something from that incident. But yeah, get those tractors off the track. Like they're not, they're not, they shouldn't be anywhere next to those cars. There should be a confirmation before they send any of them out. But they should, they, but they, even like if you got a tractor on the track, let the drivers know it's on the left hand side. Mm. Have lights on it. There's no lights on the thing. No. The F1 cars have three lights on their back wing. This thing has nothing. Yeah. You know, just, just, be smarter. That's what I tell like, Just be smarter. You know, it just looks so amateur. It looks so ridiculous. It does. Thomas, what were your thoughts, mate? Well, it was a red flag as well. So they could have, well, it being a red flag, I felt like they could have held the tractor until everyone had at least got back to the pits. Had the yellows gone, like, it was a bit of a, like, it was both parties at fault. Like, FIA shouldn't have released, the tractor shouldn't have been out there. And Pierre was absolutely like you see the footage of him. He's flying. If he hits it, then mm. like he could have killed himself. So it's it's. I think both parties are at fault, but I think the FIA trying to shift the blame onto Pierre. It's just I don't think it was fair on Pierre, especially with the time penalty as well. I think it was just a bit, both parties both equally at fault there. Yeah, hundred percent. Can you turn your phone, Tom, just so I can see you on the horizontal, not the vertical? You're going to ruin my video, mate. No, you... Oh, yeah. Come on, mate. Poor form. Yeah. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. Joe Latifi. Mm. Got Tifi no, in the rain, no, mate. He's no longer 22nd <laughs> in the championship. He's moved up That's to That's what I was going to say. He's moved up to 20th. You know, he's not going to be a meme anymore. Oh, you know, what an, what an absolute legend. Yeah. Um, honestly, I just wanted to say congratulations. Like, we give him a lot of shit. Um, every week, which is well deserved. I'm not going to ever take it back. But you know, in, in treacherous conditions, he kept the McLarens behind him, earned himself two valuable points. He kept that gap to Lando at consistently three to four seconds that whole race until the end, right until the last two laps. Yeah, yeah. and it shrunk drastically. <laughs> well, yeah, 100. Even, even Ricardo shut his gap to Lando. So I don't know. <laughs> If they were all conserving tires or what, but yeah, that last couple of laps, some cars just went off the. Like I thought, I thought that was a good re- a good result for him, and he kept them behind him for a long time. Oh, I actually forgot to mention this, but I want to mention this as well. Esteban Ocon keeping Lewis behind him for about fifteen minutes. What a, what an effort! And I know you don't you're not his biggest fan, and I've and I've been sort of more of his fan on the on the um 
on the pod. Mm. But, you know, I thought that once again, he sort of shows why he's got a seat and why he deserves that seat because he does have these moments where he does look like a great driver. Um, and it probably needs to be a little bit more. But I thought it was, I thought it was phenomenal, phenomenal defensive driving. And yeah, he definitely benefited from the fact that that, that, um, that Alpine is like a piece of paper cutting through air. Oh. How um how thin it is, how quick it is in a straight line. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give him some props. That Al- that Renault engine since 20, 2020, I think Danny Ricks last year when he was at Renault, um, in a straight line. That car was unbelievable. Um, that car is lean, man. Yeah, that car is lean. They've kept that kind of philosophy, but. Segwaying from Ocon, um, Gasly signing for Alpine, De Vries going to Alpha Tauri, and now boy yep. Danny Rick all but confirmed going home. that he's uh, he won't be on the grid next year. But I guess I know Anthony's quite a big fan of Gasly. I don't know how you feel about Gasly, but to me, for a constructor like Alpine. They, they've always had one really good driver and one, and it's been Ocon for a few years for me. Like they had Danny Rick, Hulkenberg. We all know who the number one driver was there. They had Danny Rick, Ocon, absolutely spanked him. Then they had Fernando Alonso and Ocon, who Alonso's legacy is solidified. Like he's one of the, one of the goats. Um, I don't think Gasly and Ocon is a driver pairing that's going to take you to the next level. What do you think? Um, I feel like this pairing is going to be very much like how McLaren was when they had Carlos and Lando. Yep. Um, I don't think it's going to take you necessarily to the next level, but I think there's going to be two drivers that are going to be desperate to prove each other, you know, to be the better of each other. Yep. Um, well managed, that can be really good for any team. Poorly managed, that can be detrimental to the whole team, you know, ethos. So it is a bit of give and take. But, um, I mean, I, I, I've i always liked Ocon. I don't think he's reached his potential and he's getting a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think especially this year, he's been the best I've seen him. And Pierre, I I think Pierre is a really good driver on his day. Um, he also has the ability to have a really bad race weekend. And I think next year as a team, Alpine won't, won't want to be, be having too many bad race weekends to be perfectly honest. So I think they're, I think both drivers are going to have to really pick up. Um, but I think they both can do it. Yeah, I just don't know. Like you look at, I guess, Alpine is one of the four constructors. You look at Ferrari's lineup, it's pretty, pretty special. Um, Mercedes, pretty special. And Red Bull has... You know, we know we know what Red Bull's doing at the moment. So I know their car's not at that level yet, but for me, they're the ones I think with the most potential to join that group of three in terms of being a constructor, you know, all that kind of thing. I don't know if this driver pairing is going to be the one that's going to challenge. I just, I just have a 
it to me it feels like they've signed two mid-range drivers or they've got two yep. mid-range drivers but do you think their their pairing is going to be as good as McLaren next year well, I think Lando's better than both see I don't think Lando's better than both I think I definitely rank um, Pierre on the same levels that I rank Lando um, I think Esteban can be at that level but he has to you know fix his consistency Um this guy just keeps changing his locations every time he pops up. Um, it's so distracting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think realistically, as a team, this can be, it's it's a make or break pairing, that's for sure. To me, it feels like they're kind of consolidating, waiting for something else. Because Ocon's I think the end of 24. Yeah, well, they've got, they're now going to get, you know, they've got Jack Dewan in the wings. And I think they're both on what, a one year contract? Oh, I'm sure Gasly's on more than one. For him to I'm, not, but, I'm not. I thought it was a two-year. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're both on two-year contracts. My thing is, I don't know. I would have thought Gasly would have just waited one more year at Red Bull. Because I would definitely thought his time was coming back. No. Nah, uh, I think Red Bull were quite happy to see the back end of him. Probably. Thomas, what do you think, mate? Um, well, I've kind of got to gather my thoughts on Room hopping. I think it's a smart move, to be honest. Um, he's, he's had much better form than a lot of the other drivers on the grid, and the way that Alpine's tracking at the moment, I think it's the I think it's a smart move. Only question mark is whether or not um, Esteban and Pierre can settle their differences and work cohesively as a team, share the relevant data, and not try and hamper each other. They said they respect each other and they're willing to help each other, out, but. We'll see how they go once they turn a couple of wheels in anger in the that's, same team. That's the PR machines working overtime there. But um, it's yeah. going to be very important for them to settle their differences ASAP for each other's sake because that car mm. still they want, you know, still needs a lot of development and the best way it can get developed is if both drivers, you know, are, are helping each other get the best out of the car. Um, um, but, yeah, I think realistically it's – there's a lot of unknowns, but I think there's a high high potential. I'm I'm excited to see DeVries on the grid. I think that's a good signing for AlphaTauri. Yep. I'm very disappointed that um, he's not coming to Williams. I think the writing was on the wall that they didn't want him for next year. Mate, I think the guy's setting himself up for a Red Bull seat, to be honest. Yep. He could be. Definitely could be. They're, um, they're, um, they've got a few drivers in the wings, but I don't think any of them look anywhere near ready to sort of even get into close to that seat. So he's got re- 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 uh, realistically to, to perform for one year, mm-hmm. maybe two in the Alpha Tauri, and he'll be the only person that they can most probably scoop up because I don't think they'll go out of their um, Red Bull stable again to um, pick up their uh, Max's teammate. But here's, here's my question as well that I thought of this week. What we've seen the last two races is the, is the upside of Perez and the thing that none of Max's previous teammates could do, and that was win the races that Max can't win. And on the races that Max is winning, we have a teammate who pretty much forces a mistake out of a driver that hands the championship to your number one driver. Like that is 
the perfect definition of what a uh, what a second you know a second driver is to a team. Um, so I don't think. Carl, um, Carlos Checo's seat will be in jeopardy until he wants to walk away as long as he can perform at that level if he keeps doing this you know what I mean well, he, hasn't put, he hasn't put a foot wrong like he started a bit slow there's, there's no friction between Max at all Max knows he's number one dog Checo's not trying to be number one dog just wants to pick up a couple of race wins a season you know collect a healthy paycheck uh, you know, being contention in a good car, he's st- he's still having the best years of his career now. You know, kind of opposite to Danny Rick, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, how long does Checo sit there quietly and do that for? Like, you know, Barry Keller did it for like ten, six years. In two years' time, yeah, for his whole career. In two years' time, you know, that'll be four or five years that he'd been doing this kind of role. Like, is he going to want to do it for much longer, I guess? So, DeVries is setting himself to... I think he has a choice. DeVries is 26, 27 years old. Like, he's still got plenty of time if he, if he performs. So... Uh, it, it, it's honestly a great position for DeVries, to be honest. Um, like, in terms of come into the sport, go to a team that is, you know, very professional. You've got the keys to the kingdom if you just perform. Um, and you bring Merc IP across with you. Yeah, I don't even think they're worried about bringing the Merc IP, to be honest. I think more than anything, they're just trying to get the best driver available to fill that seat. Because mm. Alpha, Alpha Tauri still has a bit of ambition to be best of the rest. Yeah. Um, and that's, he's definitely a driver that I think could, you know, fill that role with Gasly going. Um, yeah, look, you know, there was that news and then. The news that made me super upset was Danny Rick all but confirming that he won't be on the grid next year. Um, we have no idea what his plans are. I'm hoping he's got some sort of inside information that there's a seat coming in 24 that he's lined up for. Anthony thinks that this is that he's done. Um, I don't know. Either way, I hope he gets back on the grid. If not. Where does Danny Rick sit? You know, I think the guy's a, an absolute weapon. Put him in the right car. He'll be right up there. But what do you think about it? I tend to agree with Anthony, to be honest, the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always said that I thought it was imperative for him to get a drive next year to sort of exercise his demons and, and, and you know, change the perception a bit. But that's not going to happen. Um but Hulkenberg's taken three years out of the sport and he's in line for this Haas seat. Like, you're telling me an eight-time Grand Prix winner won't be on people's radar. Well, I don't think I don't think um, he wants a Haas seat. That's, I think that's his other thing. I don't think he wants to go to the back markers. He's not interested in... I'm saying, like, he won't be forgotten. Like, people are saying if he leaves for a year, people will forget about him. No, he won't be forgotten, but I don't... I, like, if he's going to come back, he's not coming back. He's not taking a year off to come yeah. back for Haas. You know, yeah, I get that. So, like, realistically, I think he's he's done because he, what seat he wants next, I don't think is attainable. Mm. Um, like, that's where I'm coming from. And you know what? Maybe it is for the best. Maybe he goes and finds something else he wants to do, another motorsport that can bring him, you know, like we say, IndyCar, where he can be competitive from the bounce. Maybe he wants a year off, test for a year. Mm. Um, but I think... 
the sad thing that we will all sort of remember is that the ceiling for Danny Rick was so high. And at the time where, you know, he was, you know, in in the his prime where he could have achieved great things, the car, like it is for many people, you know, in, in many other seasons of Formula One just wasn't good enough. Um, and yeah, maybe he was loyal to Red Bull too long. And he, I think he did make a mistake leaving Renault that we can, you know, we definitely can see it now. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was yours truly saying it was a mistake back then, but Danny Rick didn't listen to me. And, um, <laughs> you know, these things happen. You know, when you don't listen to the wise ones, you, you can you can tarnish your legacy. Unfortunately, mm. he listened to Anthony instead. The dickhead. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, and you. I'll I'll put myself you, in that basket. You poisoned his mind with your Tom. loyalty to the orange arrow. Yep, yep. Fair enough. Uh, Tom, what do you think, mate? Um, I tending to agree with Anthony. I don't think as much as I love him, I don't think there's a team that's willing to give him the spot in 24. Like you see Hamilton saying he's willing to continue for another five years. How true that is, we don't know. But with all the young talent coming through in F2 as well, I, I can't see him forcing his way into one of the top teams, unfortunately. On the flip side, you should be happy that there's another Australian on the grid in Piastri, so at least that continues. Yeah, look, I'm not... Like, I think his driving skills, Piastri is like, you know, future world champion, all that kind of thing. But he, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him yet to, like, I still don't know about this move to McLaren. Put it, put it this way. He he, pretty much wiped the floor with, um, what's his name? Zoe Grenu in the second half of that last year's F2 season. So... I think ability-wise, it was I think way too good at F2 grid. It's more than just ability. We're talking about like the actual persona that Dan, Danny Rick yeah, brings so to the sport, you know, the um, oh, larger-than-life character. You want to have I a think, beer with Danny Rick? I don't want to have a beer with Oscar. Well, not yet. We don't know yet. Yeah. So, but, yeah, look, it's at least we've got one on the grid, potentially two in a few years if um, Jack Dillon comes up potentially three if Danny Rick back, gets back on the grid. So it's a good time for Aussies and Formula One, that's for sure. Um, segwaying from there to Aussie Motorsport, boys, Bathurst, Tom, mate. Mm. I was sold. Like Joe said, Tom's coming on the on the pod. He's a supercars nut. We want to get we want to get his opinion. So, what do you, what do you think of the race yesterday, mate? Oh, if you haven't, sorry, oh. if you haven't watched it, which I don't know how you wouldn't have. Um, Red Bull and SVG and Garth Tander got the win. Uh, Chaz Mostert and Fabian Coulthard were second. And Kem Waters and who was Kem Waters' co-driver? James Moffat. Uh, Moffat. James Moffat came third in a pretty epic race. Um, so, yeah, started off in the wet and there were some pretty pretty crazy crashes at the start. But, Tom, mate, what did you think? Well, it was the best Bathurst probably since I'd say 2014 really um, in, in terms of that's a big call entertainment yeah well I mean like I'm putting it ahead of McLaughlin's fiasco win as well because like it's just 
in terms of um, conditions, safety cars, the racing itself. It had everything. If anything, I want to be a bit greedy and say I was disappointed that there wasn't more rain in the middle of the race. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there with the end and I'm saying, I was literally rubbing my hands together, so excited. And I think it got to like lap 20. It was raining on one corner and then the next corner was all dry. Like, what's going on? But the track conditions, like off the track, was causing enough carnage as it was. So it was a great race, very enjoyable one. Um, but yeah, um, I think if there's one word to sum it up, it's just patience and consistency, real two words. Like what I'm, when I think it was about lap 50, and you're looking at all the cars and you're saying to yourself, who hasn't had an incident? You're just looking at Tender and SVG and you're like, these guys are a smoky, they're just gonna find their way to the front. And that's what they did. I think it was a really interesting race yesterday for more for more reasons than than normal. Um, one thing I noticed yesterday that was was apparent from the start was that the cars were re like we knew this in practice and qualifying as well because no car I don't think no car really had more than one session that they topped over the whole weekend, um, and cars couldn't overtake coming down the chase like there was all the cars that were in the lead, you had um, Waters' car, Chaz's car, SVG's car, and the um, Boost Mobile, Erebus Commodore. And then even at some stages, um, the Dick Johnson cars. They were shocking. They were, they were shocking once it dried up. They were nowhere. Um, but, like, when you watch them driving sort of, um, you know, in line, none of the cars really could pull a move on each other. Um, and there was a few parts where... At the start of the race, um, Chaz's 25 car was really good coming down the mountain, going back up, but really had no um, aero for the top of the mountain. And then it's, I think they sort of tuned some aero into it through the pit stops and it was totally flipped. Brody Kostecki's car was su superior over the top of the mountain. He would just pull a massive gap and then he'd just be able to ride out the cars chasing him down the mountain and back up. Um, the Tickford was rapid too. The Tickford was 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 the fastest car at the start of its stint on the fresh tyres, but would burn the tyres quickest out of all of them, it seemed. And SVG's car seemed to be really good um, up and down the mountain at the end of the race. So, like, there was a lot of chess going on and not many overtakes. But in terms of seeing, you know, four of the best teams and probably three of the most consistent drivers this year at the front of the race, I thought that was a great race of um, sort of cat and mouse teams trying things and and track position at the end of the day reigned supreme because no one could pass. Um, so the pit stop strategy that that the um, 97 car sort of, you wouldn't luck, you don't luck into it, but, you know, when the, when the chips fall a certain way and you maximise it, get the track position, um, you know, that can win races and it got him to the front and that's what won him the race. That that stint after the last safety car where it was Cam, SVG and Chaz, that was that was epic. That was that that's the advertisement right there for supercars. There was no room left on that track for either of those two guys. Like even when they're coming out of the um forest elbow, I was cringing every time that they would they would ramp out because they were getting so close to the wall. Um, they were getting so close, like they were getting so high up the curves around McPhillamy 
and even the, um, the way they were taking the um, the curve at the end of the chase and then out of um, Hell Corner as well. Like it was a, a perfect advertisement of two of probably the, I would say on the, like especially with Chaz on his day, the two best drivers in the championship going going as hard as they could for as long as they could. Um, and, and it was the best thing was that SVG looked like he sort of broke Chaz at the start of the stint. I thought, oh, here we go. But then Chaz came back and then they were just trading sectors after sector. It was an awesome display of racecraft. And Chaz did like 60 laps in one go. Like, Yeah, he, he went hard. He went and he was going to the end. And that's what I thought was like everyone else had shorter stints at that end of the race, but he was just beast. It just shows how, how important having a good co-driver is. If you look at Tender, Tender and SVG in the middle part of the race, they were pretty much doing identical times. So you had Chaz and Cam having to do the triple stint at the end and you had a rested SVG doing the double stint. So like I'm not saying Fabian isn't a good co-driver. He's probably second tier. But like you compare him to Garth and it's just chalk and cheese and it just takes so much yeah. pressure off. A massive um, difference from from last year was that last year Holdsworth and Kim, uh, Holdsworth and Chaz could literally overtake at will. Their car was so you know so much better tuned than everyone. But I think this year they really struggled. They could they were struggling to make any overtake that they could. So all their overtakes came down to strategy. There was one thanks to the um, repair vehicle coming up the. Um, <laughs> Up the hill, that was a bit of a farcical as well. But he um, had him already. He would have, he would have had him there. Yeah, yeah. But um, he was already, he was already passed. So a lot of it came to strategy. Um, but I wrote, a, I've written a few notes that I wanted to sort of bring up to you guys, and I think we've touched on the first one was how good Kostecki looked through this race. Um, you know, he's he's had an up and down season, but like I think. He's re- like this year. He's really coming into his own at Erebus, but he looked like a total pro yesterday. His car didn't seem the fastest. He was making it wide. He was getting his elbows out. I think it was a bit unfortunate with his contact with James Moffat because I think it was more Moffat's fault as well because he was quite far up the car. Um, but he looked. He honestly looked sublime. I wanted to know what you guys thought of him. Because um, I don't think I think we always give uh, Will Brown a bit of a rap, but I wanted to give him a rap because he looked awesome this week. Well, put it this way, I'm jealous watching him race because I'm looking at the current predicament that DJR's in, and everyone raves about Anton. I was talking about the Ant yesterday, as good as he is and as improved as he as he is, he's not an 11-10 driver. You look at Gears, you look at uh, Moffat, you look at Cam. These guys can drive in the limit and they can always perform. DJ have a more consistent car than Chaz and Cam. But if you put Chaz or Cam in that Dick Johnson car, they're challenging SVG every race. You look at Anton, he's either making mistakes, he's not qualifying well enough. And on the flip side, you've got Davison, who's Mr. Consistent, but he doesn't have that pace. So when you look at someone like Brody, and just the way he drives, like Bathis is the ultimate test for a supercar driver, and he's out there. Like it's almost like he's almost like Greg Murphy, not always in the best car, but he will always give it one hundred and ten percent. Like he was sliding around the top of the mountain like crazy yesterday. So he, he, if put him in a consistent car and just let him fine tune himself a bit more, 
give him a couple of years. He'll, he'll be right up there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I thought he performed amazingly yesterday. Like, I think it was at throughout various stages of the race. It was Cam behind him. It was Chaz. It was Coulthard. Like, no one could overtake they just couldn't him. Get past him. He nah. was so he was so dogged, and he was he was defending like an absolute animal, and it was frustrating me as like hell because oh. I wanted Chaz to get past him, but. You have you have to you have to admire and give props to racing like that because that's what you want to see. I want to give a shout out as well to uh, young, or not young anymore, uh, Richie Sunaway. I thought he, especially in qualifying, you know, first time back in a supercar in what three years, reminded us what kind of talent this kid has. And you know, he's always been the best when he was humble. When he sort of got to his head a bit, he sort of lost his way. But I think we saw the, you know, the absolute best of Richie Stano in the ranks. He's he's a rain demon, um, you know. To come into a supercar at Bathurst as your first race, miss an hour of practice over the weekend because your, you know, your car's got gremlins. Jumping in a wet qualifying, qualify fourth, you know, yeah, you didn't do a shootout, but that that is that is so understated how hard that that is. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about drivers like. SVG, Cam, Wind Cup, Lowndes, um, you know, that's just to name a few. Even Anton, Will Davidson, you know, these guys, are, Will Davidson's run two Bathurst, you know, to, to, to best them all in those treacherous conditions. Absolute stellar qualifying. I think is. I would not be surprised if he had a better co-driving seat next year, which could lead to a, another seat back in supercars because to perform on the biggest stage, and to, you know, even in the race, he looked so composed. He didn't look like he was a world beater, but I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't have expected him to. But he just looked really solid. Like, I think it was him, Jimmy Golding. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to say. Looked really good as well. Um, and I think uh, and Bryce Forward. They were my three sort of um, mid-tier races that I was really – happy to see perform well and, you know, did a great job, kept it out of the wall. Um, what did you guys think of their performances? Well, I'll go one step further. Oh, sorry, go Harry. No, 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 you go, mate. I'll go one step further and throw Holdsworth into that mix. Yeah, he's a season Yeah, and Holdsworth. And he had a, he had a rookie um, co-driver with him. And I think they, like that bunch that you just mentioned, Stanaway, Golding, uh, Ford, it was just consistent, like not the fastest cars, but when everyone was going nuts, those guys just kept it calm and they reaped the rewards later on in the race. Like they had people going off mud in their filtration systems and everything and it, they kept their cars clean and out of the out of the trouble and they, they finished what I think Stanley was 11th, Golden was 12th and Ford was what, 13th or something. I think they all finished. I think it was 8th or 9th. Oh yeah, well they all, and Holzer was 6th. So it just showed that yesterday, just keeping a calm head was, um, was the best block it had done, but they did a very good job of it. Yeah. What did you think of Holden leaving the mountain, H, you know, victorious one more time with, with as well two of, two of their, you know, their two factory teams over their history going for it at the end of that race? I thought it was a bit poetic. Yeah, it was. Um it, it's sad because I'm like you. I've been a Holden fan my whole life, um, and yeah, it's just it's just a part of 
like even my mum who knows nothing about motorsport said to me yesterday why why are they leaving this is crap like Holden versus Ford is like it's the biggest thing I was like mum they don't make them anymore but um yeah like it's just one of those things that transcends I guess motorsport it's everyone knows Holden versus Ford Bathurst so I'm glad Holden got the W um yeah, my team, which sucks, is moving over to Ford. So, don't know how that's going to go next year. But, um, yeah, look, fitting end to the history of Holden, I think. I think it was. I um, I thought they were um, the two best. Realistically, I think I don't, I don't think it's um, a stretch to say that they were the two best cars on the weekend. Um, when you when you put all the conditions into play, and even just look at the tire life problem that Tickford had this weekend, and all they, that's been their Achilles heel throughout the whole year that they just can't keep the tires, um, keep the life in the tires, um, which I felt sorry for Cam for because he looks, you know, Cam is looks so good at Bathurst every year, and it's always either Chaz taking him out or, you know, some, you know, some unfortunate gremlin that seems to get him to finish second every year or the last two years, but he's always there and thereabouts. One thing I wanted to say, I car. think as a, it's a monster of a car. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think losers of the weekend, I wanted to say number one, top 10 shootout. I want to know why. If it's a top ten shootout when there's only one car on the on the track, we can't have a top ten shootout in those conditions. And I understand there's rivers on the track, but you don't have to drive fast through the rivers. You just got to drive as well as you can to the conditions. You know, it's not like there's a there's a there's a chance of someone spearing into you because you you know you, you stuff it up. Yeah, you can wreck your car, but like that's that's. That's the you know the the chance you take in any top ten shootout. Just drive within your means. I thought it, I thought it would have been an interesting top ten shootout if we we saw them do it in those conditions. So yeah, I think that was a big loser of the weekend. And from the people I spoke to today as well as well, I think that was one of the main things that everyone was 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 saying. Like yeah, we understand the safety precautions and and all that kind of who are involved. But in a top 10 shootout when the track is your own for, you know, that one that or well, two minutes in, in, in history, you know, I don't see why we can't do it in, in, in very wet conditions. Well, we just move, we'll move forward. Like you could have done it, like it was raining all day Saturday, but you could have moved, like everyone's got the BOM app. You can see when the rain's going to hit, move it forward. Sacrifice 86 race or something. Like it's not, people aren't going there to watch 86s, they're going there to watch supercars. So like, and they've been talking about it for years. That happened to, like in a race on the Gold Coast in 2018. They knew the thunderstorm was going to hit and they had to abandon the race. And the drivers all said, if you know it's coming, just move the session to an earlier time slot. I definitely agree with that. I don't know what the thing is, the thinking is with those kind of things. Is it TV? Like, I know that we cancelled it and that affects TV, but moving the times, does that affect? Is it because of TV? I don't know. You would rather have the race earlier and have your ads than have it not at all, I suppose. 
you know, especially yeah. when most of your when most of your money comes from Foxtel, which doesn't have ads. You know, it's just one mm. straight broadcast. What you have there doesn't shouldn't change much, especially now with even Channel Seven having four channels, they can easily jostle, jostle. You know, mash mm. for the fifteenth time that week coming on. You know, on 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 you know, <laughs> Channel Seven mate, whatever they're going to watch it on. So I don't I don't understand that thinking. My other one was the ridiculous crashes at the start of that race, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the first one. first corner one. I'll I'll put that down to you know drivers getting horny on the start of the race. You know, hit a bit of grass and spin out of control. But that Zane Goddard one was scary. Can I go into that for Zane Goddard for a second here? I, I want you to. So I, I I do feel sorry for him. But um, right. please. So, I don't think he was being a dickhead. I, I think if that's what you think. No, no. I, I, there's a lot more to it involved. The track was in a, an appalling state. The, off the track was even worse. From the team point of view, you've got some drivers there that have raced 100 rounds, 150 rounds. They raced in all conditions. James Courtney should have been in that car, and the rest of the main game drivers should have been in their, their cars in those conditions. Like Paul. Um, Zach Best, starting in Randall's car. Race was over on the, on the first lap. Randall was um, so got, too when they interviewed him. Yeah, like, and, and so you would. Goddard's out. James Corney looked distraught. He's not he's, he's not making that um, dive bomb attempt on Greg Murphy on lap two. Well, that's not happening. Um, it ruined Reynolds' race. It ruined... Um, race. Heim Gartner's race Randall's race Deepest Wiley's race was done pretty much from that first lap. Like even though they got the car out straight away there was still lingering damage in those conditions the teams have to say best drivers in the car these can like unless you're Triple Eight who's got Garth Tander chuck him in that doesn't affect anything because he's pretty much a main game driver anyway but the team should have been putting their main game drivers in because it just it eradicates those first lap issues but he's my he's my he's my train of thought. Um, Zane Goddard was a was a full timer last year, right? Mm. And and my question isn't the fact that don't put him in the car or do. I mean, I think most of those drivers on the grid can do a decent job at the start of a race. My question is, okay, so you're coming off on you're coming off at the chase. We understand that it happens. You know, it's racing. It's then that. So you're coming across the grass. Your foot is still planted because you know you have to beat the dirt. Once you beat the dirt, you have to check up. You have to check up. We've seen that crash happen a few times, but never with that kind of, you know, speed. what is it, ice rink because it's so wet. You know, and even if you get bogged, the rules change this week. So if you go one lap down when there's a safety car, they will shoot you past anyway, like we saw Brown said at the start of the race, yeah, we had went in that to fix the tie rod. They were back on the lead lap within like 25 laps or something, probably even less, might have been less. So there's a bit of naivety, which is definitely what I think if you put someone like Courtney in the car or a main gamer, they would, you know, weigh up that situation better. Um, yeah, and I guess yeah, my issue is why make that dive bomb on lap two? Or whatever. Well, yeah, that that, that that's that is one lap race. That, that, that's that's the big question. But okay, you make the dive bomb, you fuck it up. These things happen. But then to then just to to come on to redress 
in such a wild manner and then end the end the race like pretty much the races of four cars is i thought and and, to, and thank god no one was seriously hurt because like those cars were mangled they were absolutely mangled well, Bale Wood went up on two wheels. Like he almost yeah. went lightning. He almost went lightning McQueen on that um, and if you, concrete barrier. If you see how hard as well, if you see how hard Campbell's car gets hit into the wall, it was like proper whiplash, you know. Hmm. Um, into, like, when he hits Goddard, like the impact was ridiculous. But then even the as even well. the, the the impact behind, I think um, Winterbottom's car gets spun but by he, he got spun by uh, down, or down down or something. Yeah, went to the left like and then realised the whole, it the whole yeah. circus of, of of stuff that happened after that. You know, like I understand. You know, everyone's you know getting racy and stuff. But then even like Alex Davidson finds the wall down there as well. Um, there were so many like cars coming off like lap like six um, safety cars in like 20, 24 laps or something ridiculous. Crazy thing was though with um, and this is where I think Goddard's case is softened a bit because you see Davison come off, he's fully locked, and that car smashes into the tires. With Goddard, he's skating through it, and I think when he hits the mud before Ransman track, it flicks him. And it was that's a very unnatural angle to be rejoining on. Mm. Yes, he, I think what it's easy to say, I oh, just turn it into the tire barrier, like you won't, but you never know what's going to happen to the car. Mm. At the same time, like it's yes, he did suffer, but at the same time, I don't think it's as much his fault as it was down to his um, driving as what's the conditions. Because he just skated straight through it. Well, they gave him a hefty fine today, which I was also a bit surprised. If ten k, big ten k fine. He's only twenty one. That's like finding me ten grand. And then my last, my last loser of the, my last loser of the weekend was. I think for, for, for Dick Johnson Racing's a thousand a, a thousandth race, and for them to finally change their livery after four years, you know, and have like, such an such a delicious later. livery, it looked phenomenal. To have all that happen, it it's was such a because you couldn't see it. It was covered in mud. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was hoping for it to rain just to to wash it off. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was a, a race to forget. And even the, the bigger, should... the bigger repercussions for that as well, is that I think it was Davidson's second and third in the championship. Davidson's gone down to fifth. Anton's in third, third. Only five points ahead of Chaz. Waters is now well clear of 70, them both. Seventy-five. I think it's like twenty-five maybe. Um, but you know. For championship, for the championship, that's a lot of lot of lot of lot of cheddar they've lost in this weekend. Um, well, and and I think realistically, it's it, the the Anton's car one probably wasn't their fault as much, but the Davidsons both had big incidents in that race that totaled that number seventeen car. You know, well, I think that's just the, it's the epitome of. DJI at the moment like the second best team like they're ahead of Tickford they're ahead of WAU but just they started the beginning the beginning of the season they're on fire Anton's had a bit of a lull in the second half but every year it's the same story like you go to, they go to Bathurst you know they're not going to be competing like even the McLaughlin one 
it took Fabian Coulthard um, sneaky to get McLaughlin over the line. So it's just they go to the mountain every year. They're mediocre. They take subpar co-drivers and just it's the do same you think story every year. Do you think they're subpar co-drivers? Do, one yeah. thing, Alex one Dave. thing I do, I do think that their co-driver lineup is definitely unambitious because oh, when you see the like team, like, even teams like Brad Jones Racing, Tickford's main cars, like all their drivers have been in a supercar competitively much more recently than Dick Johnson's team. But having said that, I especially Dalberto. I think he always performs at a really high level and doesn't usually make any cock-ups. Davidson, no, no. I have. Well, Davidson, I have a little bit more reservation for. Um, because I just yeah, I don't see him as much, and I just don't think he seems to look as um close to the main drivers. But like mm-hmm. you would think, like when you look at how quickly Triple Eight snap up the best supercar driver available at the time to fill up their seat. And now even Walk and Joy are doing it with um, Chaz's cars two years in a row. I don't know if it's a lack of ambition or or just sitting in the in, in your comfort zone, but I think that is definitely well, I think a, a that can hurt them or is hurting them. Well, so Alex Davidson one was a bit of a last-minute thing because they'll hang from McLaughlin. Now, McLaughlin was intending to come back and they kind of just flicked the switch and said, I'm just going to focus on Indy. Look, Dalberto's always but, been consistent, but, the but same, he's, he's never been he's never been a top tier co driver. Even when he was a full time racer, it was never anything too special. But don't you think that to a team like Dick Johnson Racing, the second Fabian doesn't have a race seat? Oh, that, yeah, would, exactly. Would be yeah. trying to snap him up because he knows okay. that he team knows perfectly. Knows the team exactly. Like it's, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I feel like these are things that make or break. You know your your Bathurst run, like we see it happen this year. Tender and Van Gisbergen win last year. Holdsworth and Mostert win. Even second, Fabian and Mostert. You know, Cam and and, Mo- and Moffat hasn't been out of a car for that long. You know, like it always happens. Jamie and Lowndes. You know, we saw Lowndes and Stephen Richards, like guys just jumping out of cars and and winning races. You can't you can't substitute that that confidence in the car. Do, do you it, next, sorry, do you think next year with WAU going to Ford and being backed by the factory, it'll kind of, they'll, they'll leap over DJR? Because they're quite strong at the moment. I don't know. They I haven't f- got the factory backing. So My problem my problem with Dick Johnson racing next year is next year, hey. like the, the Mustang is built, is like this oh, year, is built by them, you know? But next year they all have the same engines and they're all running off the same, you know, uh, suspension, yeah. chassis. And I think if you look at WIU and Tickford in terms of uh, Kim and Chaz, they always seem to maximise their strategy to a higher. Like they're always they're always going above what you would expect from them, the car and the driver, whereas especially this year. And I feel it's a bit slack because Anton has had real good moments this year that he has looked really good. And Chaz has had moments this year that he's looked really shit. 
Um, but I think that's car specific, <laughs> car and track specific. You know, I'm, I just speak the truth. I see, it, I speak it how it is. I mean, Cam's been the most consistent out of everyone other than SVG this year, and it's showing on the championship ladder now. Um, I don't think it's a driver's thing. I think it's a team thing. The only way Tickford and WAU eclipse DJR is if they get consistent over the course of the season because WAU will have an awesome race at like Adelaide but it is a very real thing that WAU uh, or Chaz and Waters are going to finish ahead of both the Dick Johnson cars this year. And it, it yeah, the question, the question becomes, form. the question becomes Ken Perkett and Courtney, whoever's in the, in the main other Tickford car do the same thing. That's, that's definitely very important to the situation. What I'm saying is awesome. when you're like Tickford and, and Walkinshaw are playing catch up, and they have been playing catch up to the big two for the last four or five years. But what I'm saying is now with the infrastructure going so even, and we've seen teams like, you know, the strategies that Adam DeBore calls for Chaz, you know, work really well most of the time. Same thing with Cam Waters' car. Is Are we going to see now that these teams eclipse Dick Johnson racing as the bigger, uh, as the you know, better performing forward teams. I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a really interesting thing, um, a problem for forward racing to have, having three, you know, really competitive, you know, cars in their stable. And that's why they've gone and picked up walk and chore as well. It makes you're, total you're forgetting, sense. You're forgetting, you're forgetting Erebus. Because Erebus, not Erebus. Um, Blanchard. Not Blanchard. No, what's it called? Penrod. The, what's it called? Yeah, what but look. Penrite, yeah, was, like, even, yeah, even them. yeah, but realistically, they're not on that level yet. They're not. They're not on not, that level. Not yet. They they could be. They definitely could be because they're spending the money. But like from what we're seeing now, like I don't know how it's going to shake up. I think it's a it's a it's a great problem for Ford Racing to have to be investing this money in it. Um, I just want to know what you think. Well, I, being I, the, I, the, I, the resident DJR fan, it's not about hope. It's about what do you think, like. What 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 would be your best guess? How would you how would you think it goes compared to how would you like it to go? I think next year, DJL will still have a jump on the rest of the Ford group because they've got the two hope, good drivers. Well, if Anton can just get more consistent, like if he can just keep his consistency for the whole season, I think he'll finish second. But I hope from a neutral, like even just from a neutral point of view, that Tickford and WA pick up their game because otherwise it's going to be a runaway SVG championship again because it's just it's too good for this current crop unless Chaz and Cam are in cars that can actually challenge him. He's just going to he's going to win the first ten races again. And it's just going to be a, a, another romp to the title. Here's here's one thing I do think I think definitely next year Triple Eight is going to be the best Chevy car. 100%. I think, I think hundred percent that's, that's, that's going to be as, you know, a, a total given. So the one thing that you'd want is that you still want the Ford teams to be sharing some data to help each other out, to maximize their attack. Can you see that? But that's not going to, I, know, I can't see that happening at all. D- but, um, DJR, you have Ryan walking over. 
to the garage. You'll have Tim Edwards open and you just have Ryan Story just giving the middle finger to him. I don't Look, think that's going to happen I, at all. Can I tell you something, honestly, Thomas, between if, if we're measuring, you know, apples and oranges, when I look at Dick Johnson's driver lineup and I see Anton, I say Anton, I, I put Anton, Chaz uh, and Cam in the same group. I, I, like, I, 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 out of that group, is is the bottom of that group there. Yeah, Anton's bottom. It goes Chaz, Cam, Anton, I think. Um <laughs> Raw pace. I'm going Kim ahead of Chaz, though. Like Chaz, I beg to differ, but like it's fine. Like in, I, I, I put them in that. I put them in a group together, right? Under SVG. The thing that I want to say, that I'm interested to see next year, is if if here's like the weird thing. This year has been an anomaly for Percat, and I've I've been totally schooled because I, I I was expecting big things this year, and he's he shit on my face um so i want to see if he comes back next year well um but like taking their careers in you know as a whole i would i would expect also percat courtney and will davidson to sort of be in a very similar bubble as well so it's going to be a very interesting teams championship between those teams to see who can best each other and it's i think it's going to be down to what co-driver or what second driver can, you know, raise their level up. Cause Will Davidson this year, I think has been sublime. Um, well, most of the year he has anyway. Well, his qualifying has been really his good. His qualifying has been he can't, out of this world. It's just, he, he can't, can't he can't convert his, his starts. Just converting his um, great positions. Yeah. No, but um, it's either he's had poles or front row. I think like we've got two more events left till the end of this year. Two more events till the end of this era. We saw the new Mustang going around the mountain and it looks phenomenal. It looks absolutely phenomenal. Like I'm I'm a bit disappointed. I'm disappointed that Holden is no longer here. I'm disappointed that next year I'll be in my team is going over to Ford. But with the look of that car, I feel a weight lifted off my shoulders. You know, I'm ready to bask in the glow of the blue oval. Um but yeah, two more events. It looks hot. Two great events. We're going to the Goldie, and then we're finishing off on the streets of Adelaide. I can't think of two better events to you know round out this season, gentlemen. Any last thoughts? Yeah, um, need to bring back the Nigeria Cup. Oh, oh sorry. Can we mention this? Yeah, I had this thought. Keep going yeah, before we finish. These um, co-drivers, they need a competitive a race before Bathurst. To yeah. get their own, and then you, you honestly make it Sandown, Bathurst, and Adelaide. Don't even make it the Gold Coast. Make it a 500k race around Adelaide. Done. We were saying last week they should make the Gold Coast a super night street race, like Singapore's Grand Prix, Oof. which I think would be awesome. That's not a bad. That's not a bad um, idea. But I definitely that's do not. think we saw the repercussions of the um, co-drivers not have like not having you know match fitness ma- match fitness but also just getting like the jitters out of the car even we saw like how badly uh moffat launched the car off the start yesterday off the start um so, you know just yeah like stuff like this like you, if you have a weekend that sand like that sand down was perfect they actually gave him a co-driver's race you know get it out of your system have a practice start 500k race 
relatively it's simple also, track. It's also a prestigious race though as well. Like Sandown's one of the... Well, I don't think they're bringing back the, 500, the Sandown 500, uh, but you definitely need, I think you need a, a pre-Bathurst co-driver race, even just for like the team getting, you know, it's just more time for practicing pit stops, seat changes, you know, ironing out the kinks, getting your best car prepared for that Bathurst 1000. Um, and then, yeah, I don't think we would have seen all the early race shenanigans that we saw if, you know, it was the second race of an enduro series rather yeah. than the first race of a, a very quick sort of doesn't mean much to race enduro series or to event enduro series. So I had that exact thought. Um, thank you for reminding me, young man. That's all right. Man. <laughs> All right. That's well, me. Uh, that's all my thoughts. Yep. Uh, Thomas, you got anything that you'd like to end us on? Nah. Um, thanks for having me. It's been a joy. Welcome back anytime, mate. We'll always and, um, sub one Bahaja for another. Uh, that's right. If you if you need some proper supercars correspondence, you know where I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> the phone, I like the phone's that. always. A... <laughs> right, well um thanks for jumping on guys thanks for listening um as always like subscribe click the link all that kind of thing whatever it is um youtube seems to be getting a bit more traction at the moment which is good to see um but yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with moto gp bit of moto gp and potentially some uh other content um but yeah thanks guys thanks for getting on thanks mate Always a pleasure.